Is it time to change defensive coordinators or is it possible the defensive coordinator himself will change that and more on today's mailbag episode of Locked On Commanders. Your daily podcast on the Washington Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome into this episode of Locked On Commanders, your daily podcast covering the Washington Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much for making Locked On Commanders your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget that you can subscribe for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. And you can continue this conversation with me by becoming a Locked On Commanders insider. Sign up and from there you can text me and I will text you updates from practices, games, uh, side conversations, just all kinds of craziness going on over there it goes beyond the show goes beyond what i'm writing certainly goes beyond anything on social media get in on the insider fun go to joinsubtextcom slash locked on commanders and you can become an insider i'm david harrison on twitter or on social media everywhere at d harrison 82 credential member of the media covering the washington commanders for commandercountry.com a part of sports illustrated's fan nation i'm here with you every monday through friday along with our everydayers and everydayers you already know how much i appreciate your continued support for the show download the game time app create an account use the promo code locked on nfl for 20 dollars off your first purchase last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed on today's show i'm going to give you my keys to victory i know it's only wednesday but keys to victory time because we got a game on thursday and we're going to crack open the mailbag with two questions here one by a lot of you and one by uh, only Fran. And that's where we're going to start off. Fran asked this, will Jack Del Rio ever get away from that slow four-man front and turn our defense into a quicker, more attacking defense? Or will it take our new defensive coordinator, Ryan Kerrigan, to do this? So first and foremost, I don't know that Ryan Kerrigan becomes the interim defensive coordinator uh, if Jack Del Rio is indeed fired or if Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio uh, is indeed fired. I understand the infatuation with Ryan Kerrigan becoming the new defensive coordinator. Don't necessarily think I'm not sitting here poo-pooing the idea. I just don't know that he's the guy uh, that gets that job. I think it's more likely that probably Jeff Scanina in that situation elevates to the interim defensive coordinator and then Ryan Kerrigan steps up to be the full-time defensive line coach. I think that's probably more likely, but you know, crazier things have happened, so certainly don't count it out. But as far as Jack Del Rio changing his scheme to uh, what most are going to refer to as a 3-4 scheme, honestly, in today's NFL, you pretty much have even fronts, odd fronts, uh, and defenses. There, there's not so like the typical kind of straight up 3-4-4-3 defense kind of doesn't go away, but we will use those terms uh, for relativity. So when you have to evaluate Jack Del Rio and the likelihood that he's going to change his scheme, you got to go back through his history, right? So here's a little bit of history report on Jack Del Rio for those of you who don't know. And I certainly didn't know everything when I started to flesh out this answer. For starters, Jack Del Rio played his college ball for the USC Trojans back in the 80s with a defense that really looked like it had four line, four people on the line of scrimmage. Two of them were down linemen. Most of the time, two of them were outside linebackers standing up. Jack Del Rio was one of those guys. So not really the way you're used to seeing it. But four guys on the line of scrimmage, uh, certainly anyway. Like I said, even man fronts is basically the way that they run those types of things. So not your traditional 4-3 per se, but also not your traditional 3-4, more of a 2-4-5 uh, type of formation with two linebackers standing up on the line of scrimmage. In the NFL, Del Rio got his start with the New Orleans Saints. That defense was coordinated by Wade Phillips, who, interestingly enough, eventually replaced Del Rio as the defensive coordinator in Denver years later after Jack Del Rio's playing time obviously was over. Now, Wade Phillips is famous for his 3-4 defense, 
which is one of the first they use his three down linemen to attack one gap with three defenders because other three, four alignments like to have those three defenders attack two gaps, but he got, he, he attacked one gap allowing a lot more blitzes was very heavy with the blitz and a lot, a lot more creativity uh, where the original three, four, again, uh, wanted each of those three down linemen to attack two gaps. All three of those guys were bigger, less athletic, more space eaters than anything else. So Jack Del Rio certainly has experience playing in that type of a defense, but when you get forward into his career, 1986, Del Rio's second season in the NFL, the Saints brought in defensive coordinator Steve Sidwell, uh, and in that, he became the architect of the Dome Patrol in New Orleans, a really famous uh, foursome of linebackers that Del Rio was not a part of. Del Rio started one game in his second year in the NFL after starting, I think, 12 in his rookie season and becoming a part of the all-rookie team back when they did those. In 1987, Del Rio was traded to the Kansas City Chiefs, where he was an outside linebacker in a 3-4 base defense. So, again, Del Rio certainly has experience there. Now, in 1989, Del Rio ends up getting waived, claimed by the Dallas Cowboys, where he played uh, defense for Hall of Famer Ernie Soutner's defense. And that's the first that I can tell you that he really got heavy exposure to a true 4-3 defense. Four defensive linemen with their hands in the dirt, three linebackers behind them, starting in 1989 with the Dallas Cowboys in 91. Still with the Cowboys, Del Rio became a middle linebacker in a 4-3 system playing for Dave Wanstead in 90 and 91. In 1992, Del Rio went to the Minnesota Vikings and defensive coordinator Tony Dungy until 1995, which was his last year playing, mostly playing in the NFL outside of a brief stint with the Miami Dolphins that lasted uh, just a couple of months. He made it to one Pro Bowl in his NFL career in 1994 as a 4-3 middle linebacker. So that's his playing career. Got his first real heavy dose of 4-3 in 1989, as far as I can tell. Uh, Del Rio got his first coordinator job as a defensive coordinator of the Carolina Panthers in 2002, where they ran, you guessed it, a 4-3 base defense. He was the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars from 2003 uh, to 2011. His first defensive coordinator was Mike Smith, who ran a 4-3. He then hired Greg Williams in 2008, who ran a 4-3. Went to Mel Tucker in 2009, who ran a 4-3. And eventually, Mel Tucker became the interim head coach when Jack Del Rio was fired in the 2011 season. From 2012 to 2014, Del Rio was the DC, the defense coordinator of the Denver Broncos. Again, his 4-3, famously replaced by Wade Phillips in his 3-4, which is where Jack Del Rio started his playing days. Uh, Jack became the head coach of the Oakland Raiders uh, in 2015 to 2017. So Del, Del Rio was replaced because he became the head coach of the Raiders, not because he was fired, just to be clear. Oakland Raiders, uh, 2015 to 2017, and, of course, Jack, the entire time he was there, employed a 4-3 defense through his coordinators. In 2020, he joined Washington staff. You know how the rest goes. So I tell you all that to illustrate to you just how long Jack Del Rio has been married to a 4-3 base defense that we're going to use. We're going to call it 4-3 base defense, for, for lack of a better term, and to say, no, he's not going to change his defense. He's been fired twice uh, as a head coach relying on a 4-3 base defense, and I'm not saying that's why he got fired, but I'm just saying he, he was a 4-3 base defense head coach and he was fired twice as that, but he's also hired to be a head coach after defensive coordinating a 4-3 base defense uh, twice as well. His best season in the NFL was as a 4-3 middle linebacker. It's not that he doesn't know the 3-4, not that he doesn't know a 2-4-5. You know what I mean? He knows it. Uh, he just doesn't honestly appear to believe in it. If he believed in it, I just I think he would be using it, right? Uh, and truth be told, uh, he doesn't have the horses for it. Like you, If you want to go to a traditional 3-4, uh, you put Federian Mathis in the middle, you put Jonathan Allen, Jerome Payne at the defensive end spots, and your linebackers, Jamin Davis, Cody Barton, when he's healthy, David Mayo, when he's not, are your middle linebackers. But your outside linebackers, I mean, you're looking at like K.J. Henry, Andre Jones Jr., 
uh, you know, James Smith Williams, Casey Tuhill. James Smith Williams is more of a of a reduced size three four defensive lineman than he is a stand up outside linebacker. Casey Tuhill maybe uh, you know might be a little slow for that job. So he just doesn't really have the pieces anyway or the time to install it. Like you really can't install a whole new defense, you know, uh, 12 weeks into the NFL season. Uh, we did see, interestingly enough, last year and a little bit this year, earlier in the season training camp, uh, some three down linemen looks where Montez Sweat, Chase Young were basically stand up outside linebackers, uh, but that hasn't really been utilized much, if at all. So whether or not there's a change in the coach or a, a coach or a change in the coach or a coach change, uh, coaching change with the Washington Commanders, uh, it's very likely that something is going to at least happen uh, in, in the uh, near term. Not necessarily this weekend, but certainly uh, sooner rather than later. Could there be a new player coming in to try to help the Washington Commanders right the ship, though? That's coming up next in the mailbag on today's episode of Locked On Commanders, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And this episode of Locked On Commanders brought to you by Game Time. You shouldn't have to worry when you're buying tickets to your next big events. And Game Time is the fastest and easiest way for you to buy tickets to sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. They've got killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, and the best price guarantee. Game Time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets for you. They've also got last-minute tickets, flash deals, and zone deals. Easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event in your area. And Game Time is the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase. You will see the total price and the view from your seat before you commit to anything. Uh, Game Time guarantee also means you get the best price. So if you find that same ticket in the same section in the same row, for less money, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference of the price of the tickets. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use the promo code Locked On NFL to get $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem the code L O C K E D O N N F L for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Thanks for making a lot of Commanders your first listen or view today and every day. Every day, thanks as always for coming through like you do. Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe for the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming Channel. Moving on to the mailbag, got more than a few people asking about former Indianapolis Colts linebacker Shaquille Leonard. Obviously, linebacker is a position need. Shaquille Leonard has quite the resume. Uh, however, he was released by the Indianapolis Colts right around the time he's basically being benched uh, there in Indy. So the question coming through is, does he have anything left in the tank? Is it worth a look? Is it worth the investment? Could it happen for the Washington Commanders? So before I give my thoughts on young Shaquille Leonard, Let's hear from Jake Arthur of Locked On Colts. Wow. The Colts pulled a shocker and have waived star linebacker Shaquille Leonard. What's up, everybody? This is Jake Arthur with Locked On Colts. Uh, so I certainly don't think everyone expected this move right smack in the middle of the season. Uh, but certainly it looked like something that was eventually going to kind of end this way. Uh, so, of course, Shaquille Leonard became well known across the league for earning all pro honors, NFL defensive rookie of the year, pro bowls, all those things, uh, really unmatched accolades and stats to go with it over his first four seasons. Uh, but unfortunately in 2022, he began to have some issues, uh, had a pair of back surgeries and this season, although he came back in the summer and really didn't miss a beat, 
Uh, he just physically did not look the same. The Colts coaches recognized it as a result. Uh, his playing time was scaled back. He's only seen 69% of the defensive snaps this year. And he'd been outspoken uh, in the media in recent weeks talking about uh, his dissatisfaction with his role, you know, not wanting to be taken off on third downs and this and that. Uh, but the truth of it is uh, he has not always been the most effective player when he's been out there. At times he's been a, a liability uh, guys like Zaire Franklin and EJ Speed are just a little more vital to this defense right now, uh, and they can do a little more. Uh, Zaire Franklin has obviously been a star these last couple years uh, with Leonard on the mend. EJ Speed has really come into his own as well and has looked a lot better. So what does this mean for Leonard going forward and other teams? So uh, it's expected that he's going to clear waivers and become a free agent. Uh, so that'll obviously mean a new contract because – He's not, he's not going to get – no one's going to pick him up on that gaudy deal that he was on. Uh, so he'll get a new deal somewhere. Um, I think he's still worth playing right now. Is he ever going to get back to the Maniac? I'm not sure. Uh, back injuries, especially when they involve surgeries, are really, really tricky. Uh, we've seen guys not bounce back to be themselves before. Uh, so you got to hope for, for Leonard that he's able to get back to – at least being at a Pro Bowl level, because for a while that that guy's career trajectory was going to end up in Canton. And I mean, he's he's still a decent player, uh, perhaps if he goes back to the right system somewhere like a, a Tampa two, more of what Matt Eberflus tends to run, where it's more instinctual and less structured and perhaps there's less responsibility and he can just play freely. Uh, maybe that would fit him a little better. But we're definitely going to have uh, a lot more on this and more on Locked on Colts Monday through Friday on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Big thanks to Jake Arthur from Locked on Colts. And then you can hear from him. He was surprised to hear this news today. He was he was surprised and obviously disappointed uh, to see the the maniac is his nickname. Uh, his time come to an end. The Indianapolis Colts it wasn't that long ago, guys. We were talking about Darius Leonard, Shaquille Leonard uh, being the most dominant linebacker in the National Football League. Um, you know, Jake knows more than I do what happened, you know, specifically with his downfall in Indy. But the bottom line is he is now available. So the way this works for veterans, he is waived, which means he goes through the waiver wire process. NFL teams will have 24 hours to put in their waiver wire claims, which is Wednesday, 4 p.m. Eastern, give or take. They will have until then to put in a claim on Shaquille Leonard. Once all the claims have been put in, basically the team with the highest claim spot gets the player if everybody or anybody puts in a claim uh, request for him. The Washington Commanders are currently seventh in waiver claim because at this point in the season, it goes off of draft position, and the Washington Commanders are seventh in the draft uh, as of today. Therefore, there are six other teams in the NFL who could put in a waiver claim for Shaquille Leonard and take on that contract. If they do, whoever they do, they will take on about $6 million left this year on his contract. Now, there is more money left in the, in the future, on Shaquille Leonard's contract, but honestly, I'm not too worried about that for anybody because restructures happen, re-signings happen all the time, and you know, very likely it would be one of those situations where there, there's kind of an understanding of, hey, dude, you're going to have to rework your contract with us, uh, and, and that won't be uh, too big of a hurdle. Now, that being said, you got to have the $6 million, 6.1, I think it is total, um, and then there's got to be a fit. Well, he played in a 4-3 defense in Indianapolis. That's where he made his money. That's where he made his name. 
So there's not a, a huge discrepancy. But now, again, the language is different. The calls are different. The checks are different. So there is going to be a learning curve if he comes to Washington. It really goes anywhere, wherever he ends up going. Because the assumption is if he clears the waiver process, which everybody expects him to clear waivers, become an unrestricted free agent and sign with somebody, he's probably going to sign with a contender. The Philadelphia Eagles are a name that has certainly bounced around. The Detroit Lions are a name that have bounced around. If Shaquille Leonard is looking to sign with a contender, let's be real here, guys. Washington is not going to be at the top of his list. So really, what it seems to boil down to is Shaquille Leonard is either going to get claimed by the commanders or he's just not going to be a commander. Should the Washington Commanders put in a claim? Shaquille Leonard's 28 years old. He's a 2018 second-round draft pick. He's been a first-team All-Pro linebacker three times, a Pro Bowler three times. He's got 15 career sacks. Again, off-ball linebacker in a 4-3. That's not really his bread and butter. 614 career tackles, 12 career interceptions. Again, cost $6.1 million for the rest of this season. Uh, and the Washington Commanders are seventh in the claim order. Now, should they put in a claim for him? Listen, Here's what I'm going to tell you. I wouldn't hate to find out they put in a claim request on them. To be, to be quite honest, they can afford the $6 million this year. They've got plenty of money moving down the line. So if they need to restructure that deal or they do restructure that deal, it's not going to be too big of a deal. And restructuring his deal isn't going to prohibit them from re-signing a guy like Cameron Curl. In fact, what it actually might do is it might actually uh, free them to make a move on another linebacker that maybe hasn't panned out very well and they might want to move on from. not going to say names. I'm just going to say. Um, but the Chicago Bears have also been connected to potentially uh, going after Shaquille Leonard and the Chicago Bears, you already know from the Montez Sweat trade, are kind of focused on the future, but they have no problem bringing in pieces that are going to help them for the future today. And they're a team that could certainly uh, bring him in. If they try to put in a claim for him, they have the number four spot in the waiver claim uh, order, which means that they would get him before the Washington Commanders do. So even if the Washington Commanders put in a waiver claim uh, for him, certainly the Bears could potentially do it. Uh, what's the point? Because right now the Washington Commanders can kind of technically make the playoffs, but really you look at this, if they win out, they end up with 10 wins. That's going to get them in the playoffs. But to win out, you got to beat the Dallas Cowboys twice, including this week uh, on a four-day turnaround after losing to the New York Giants. You got to beat the Miami Dolphins. You got to beat the San Francisco 49ers. And granted, three of those four games are home games, but you also got to travel to L.A. and beat the Rams. Uh, and that's not going to be a super easy uh, thing to do. And then you got to play the New York Jets on New Year's Eve as well. And uh, the way things are looking, maybe Aaron Rodgers is going to be back for that game. So certainly an uphill climb. Uh, even if they they win, uh, even if they win all of their games, uh, basically they have you have to win, which is what I'm trying to say, every NFC game. I actually went through this whole thing. And if they win all their games, then yes, they have the chance to make the playoffs, obviously as a 10-win team in the NFC. But if you lose even one NFC game, so this NFC game, uh, the Rams coming up, the Niners, the Cowboys, um, any of those NFC losses pretty much takes the commanders out of the running of the playoffs um, as far as likelihood is concerned. Not mathematically eliminated, but likelihood. So do you really want to make the commitment on a guy $6 million more million this year if you're Josh Harris on a team that's likely not going to make the playoffs and then have to deal with restructuring this guy's contract while you are possibly bringing in a new head coach and a new defense coordinator who may not want to run a three or a four, three system, in which case you're now putting Shaquille Leonard in say a three, four system in a system that he's never actually played him for. Now three, four, he's actually got a running mate as a middle linebacker. So maybe it actually helps him uh, certainly, but it's just kind of an investment that you really don't necessarily see teams in this position make again. I wouldn't hate it, but I just don't know how, how likely it is that we will see it. That's the end of our mailbag today because we have got to talk keys to beating the Dallas Cowboys as I'm on an abbreviated week. I got to kind of condense some of our weekly segments. Thanks to everybody submitting questions in the mailbag. Insiders, 
We will have that bonus mailbag dropping on Saturday after I watch Ohio State beat Michigan. So we've already got some more questions for that. If you have more during during the week, by all means, send them in. But the Jack Del Rio question, obviously, was going or not was going to, but could expire before we get to Saturday. And this uh, Shaq Leonard question is definitely going to expire before we get to Saturday. So keys to victory coming up next on today's episode of Locked On Commanders, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of Locked On Commanders brought to you by Prize Picks, the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. They are the easiest and the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports because it's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and then watch your winnings roll in. This week, when the Washington Commanders visit the Dallas Cowboys on Prize Picks, I'm selecting 49ers running back Christian McCaffrey to gain more than half a yard rushing and receiving combined because that is one heck of an offer that I cannot turn down for prize picks. And if you if you have not done it already, you need to go get yourself some Christian McCaffrey more than half a yard rushing and receiving combined because that's going to happen. But I'm also going to take Washington Commanders running back Brian Robinson Jr. for more than 65 and a half yards of total offense. And because it's Thanksgiving, I'm going to take a little bit from everybody's plate. And I'm going Cowboys defensive end Demarcus Lawrence for more than 0.25 sacks because that's probably going to happen, guys. Price Picks even offers a reboot policy, so if your entire entry stays in play, even if one of your players gets injured or ejected. Curtis Samuel got ejected for me last week, and the reboot kept my game uh, in action. For football, basketball games, you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second. That player is rebooted, so Curtis Samuel got ejected. I got my reboot. Price Picks is the only daily daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy, and boy, am I glad that they did. Go to PricePicks.com slash LockedOnNFL. Use the promo code LockedOnNFL, all lowercase, for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that promo code LockedOnNFL, all lowercase, for a first deposit match up to $100 at PricePicks.com slash LockedOnNFL. Price Picks daily fantasy sports made easy. Wrapping up today's episode of Locked On Commanders, talking keys to victory for the Washington Commanders to pull off the upset against the Dallas Cowboys in Jerry's world. I will be there on hand at AT&T Stadium enjoying uh, what I'm told is the best Thanksgiving spread in the National Football League. Certainly, uh, look, you guys might not like to hear it, but certainly the best press box in the NFL that I have been to to date. I will give you an update after SoFi, uh, certainly. But key number one, win the running back Battles. We're talking Brian Robinson Jr., Tony Pollard specifically, uh, but the Cowboys are 20th in rushing yards per play this season. The, the Washington Commanders are 25th in rush defense per play uh, this season. So it's kind of weakness on weakness, but Dallas is 10th in carries this season, which is why their yards per game average is actually pretty high, but their yards per carry is low. So if the Washington Commanders can make their weakness a little bit of a strength against the Cowboys' weakness, then that can help mitigate some things. Meanwhile, the Washington Commanders are 6th in rushing yards per, per carry. The Dallas Cowboys six, defense is 16th against the rush per carry. So the commander's rush offense certainly better ranked than the Dallas Cowboys defense. Washington is 26th in yards, uh, however, because yards per game, because the Chiefs, Jets, and Bengals are the only teams that run the ball less. Imagine the Chiefs being on that list. Eh, it's not a coincidence. But also, not just the running game, but also the screen game. The, the Dallas Cowboys are the 11th highest running back screen usage team in the NFL. That's pretty high. Seventh most yards per screen as well. So they're very successful at using it. The Washington Commanders 
are the best defense this season in defending the running back screen uh, in yards per screen. Washington, however, is using the running back screen the eighth most in the NFL this year, so even more than the Cowboys, and they're getting the most yards per screen thanks to Brian Robinson doing some really good things in the screen. The Cowboys are 24th in the NFL in defending that, so they need to lean on Brian Robinson Jr. and the run game and the screen game against the Dallas Cowboys. Not only is it going to help dictate the pace of the game, it's going to shrink the game, keep the Dallas Cowboys offense on the sideline, keep your defense rested, talking, strategizing, doing all those things. Key number two, you want to keep your team, your offense on the field. You got to keep your quarterback upright. Protect Sam Howell. The Washington Commanders have 518 dropbacks this season. That is the most in the NFL by 56 dropbacks, according to Sports Info Solutions. I don't know if they had every game count yet because that's a lot of dropbacks. 47 dropbacks per game on average, 40 pass attempts per game on average. And the Cowboys have the second most sacks per pass attempt projected to be about four and a half to five sacks per game. The commanders are allowing four and a half to five sacks per game while not facing the second best pass rush in the NFL, which means we can probably project about seven or eight sacks uh, for the Dallas Cowboys defense on Thursday if things stay up to par. So defensively or offensively, Got to keep Sam Howell upright, try to get below that number. Certainly don't go too far over that number, but you definitely should expect some sacks of Sam Howell. Uh, it's going to be based on, or everything's going to be based on how he responds to them, uh, which I talked to Ron Rivera about on uh, Tuesday. Asked him about that mentality part. Certainly hit home with that question. Key number three, minimizing red zone scoring. The Cowboys are 18th in red zone, red zone offense, second in total scoring, 30.2 points per game. Uh, 15 of Dak Prescott's 19 touchdown passes have come from the 20 or closer, which is the most among the NFL quarterbacks, and a bigger margin of his touchdown throws are coming from the 20-yard line or closer than every, than, I would say every other because I didn't compare every other, but most other quarterbacks in the NFL. Most touchdowns come from the red zone, right? But Dak Prescott has a higher margin of his touchdown passes coming from the 20-yard line or better uh, or closer than a lot of other NFL quarterbacks do. So it's a little bit skewed uh, in that direction. Dallas also has the most pass attempts from the 20 or closer, and all nine of Dallas's rushing touchdowns have come from the opponent's 20-yard line or closer. So Obviously, the Dallas Cowboys, a team that like to do the majority of their damage from the opponent's 20-yard line or closer, 75 red zone dropbacks, 21.7% of dropbacks ending in touchdown passes. So they're actually very proficient at it as well. They're 17th in the league in red zone scoring. Four of those red zone touchdowns are going to C.D. Lamb, six to tight ends, four to – four to uh, uh, <clears throat> Four of those uh, four of those touchdowns from the 20 or closer going to C.D. Lamb, six of them to tight ends, two to wide receiver Brandon Cooks, and one each for Kamonte Turpin, uh, Jalen Tolbert, and uh, Dowdle, the running back. can't remember his first name. I'm sorry, buddy. I really am. Most of the time, they're scoring through the air. They're doing it specifically from the left hash on second down out of a two-by-two two formation. That's really specific information. I don't know about pay attention to the second down so much, but two-by-two two formations, certainly something you need to, to pay attention to. They're looking to spread the defense out, likely setting up that play on first down. They like to attack vertically when you're in zone. They want to force that middle safety and single high coverage into the middle of the field and then attack on the perimeter. If I'm Jack Del Rio, I'm telling my safety, stay on top of C.D. Lamb. Way too many touchdown passes I watched from Dak Prescott where C.D. Lamb is catching the ball alone on one dude and you got a safety in zone standing in the middle of the end zone going, I don't know who to cover. Put your best, put your put your set, your set free safety on your their, their best weapon, if I can speak English. Put your free safety on their best weapon. Just tell your guy, line up wherever you need to line up. As soon as that ball is snapped, you get your feet over to C.D. Lamb. Do not let C.D. Lamb get one-on-one -on -one 
inside the red zone. That's my advice to you, Jack. If they sense man, they're going to run mesh routes. And the New York Giants killed this defense with mesh routes on Sunday, designed to create picks, knock defenders off the route or run away from them, especially if you're with Brandon Cooks, especially keeping leverage is the key. Understand what's happening around you, where your help is, if you have any. Uh, they also like outbreaking routes. Most of their touchdowns from the 20 or closer are coming on outbreaking routes. So again, understanding your leverage point is important because the Cowboys love to clear out the boundary and then let somebody from the interior or the opposite side of the formation get into that now cleared out boundary uh, into wide open space. Your best bet to me is zone coverage. Just don't get sucked in and stay zone and field discipline. Close down on short passes uh, before the goal line. Prevent deep or end zone shots behind you in that zone. To me, that's the best way you mitigate red zone scoring against the Dallas Cowboys. So that's our three keys to a win. Mitigate red zone scoring, protect Sam Howell as best you can, and win the running back battle on the ground and in the screen. That's going to do it for this mailbag slash keys to victory episode coming up tomorrow. It's crossover Thursday. In the meantime, you got questions or comments for future mailbags, throw them in the YouTube comment section. Hit me on Twitter or on threads. Text me by becoming a locked on commanders insider. Join subtext.com slash Locked on Commanders. As always, thank you so much for making Locked on Commanders your first listener, your first view today and every day. Every day, I appreciate you for coming through every day like you do. Don't forget, Locked on has launched their first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Check out Locked on Sports today. Subscribe. And anytime you want to watch it, you can because it's 24-7, baby. Thank you so much for making me part of your day, part of your routine. Until we speak again, please be safe, be kind, and I'll see you next time for another episode of Locked on Commanders, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. 